Hey, Jesse. Hey, Olivia. Uh, so this is our second episode today. And so unfortunately, that means we're using the same quilt for both right. episodes for our Instagram. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we're trying to do something on Instagram, if you haven't noticed, where we'll show you the quilt of the episode because we are in Jesse's Kardashian closet with this <laughs> giant island and she put a quilt down. For sound dampening. For sound dampening. Yeah, and then we're also in this huge closet. But so I have a lot of quilts. Yes. So the, oh, the gig is, is understatement. The gig is we can use a different one for each time we yes. have a recording session. Yeah, so. I would say our friend group has a lot of quilts because not true. only do you have a lot of quilts, but our friend Megan has a lot of quilts. Shout My friend Emily has a lot of quilts. Shout mm-hmm. out to Emily. Uh, you guys are quilt people, and I would say in general we're all crafty people yes which is my (laughs) tie-in to our episode today which is on tape and scissors yes two things that i feel are really crafty but i'm not really sure about tape but scissors gets really dark and i will never think about crafts oh my same way again with scissors yeah it gets it's deep it's kind of like our last episode when, when we glass was like such a simple like oh they discovered it and then they made it and then you were like mirrors are about human <laughs> identity <laughs> it's gonna be that way about scissors a little bit oh interesting yeah um but yeah we're both really crafty people i mean i'm a web designer so i don't really craft um all but it, it's, it, there's different yeah it's it's craftiness but it's also sort of a general um like what do you kind of keep around your house and also the things scissors and tape are so ubiquitous mm-hmm. that they they kind of transcend craft anyway because it's like do you need to stick this together? Do you need to cut yeah. something? It's like, it's not even, it's like, you know, you, yeah. you have to use scissors to open, you know, any kind of, of packaging. So mm-hmm. it's, mm-hmm. I cut think it's, it's more than just um, cut tags off of clothing. Like it just, oh, it, it, it's a lot more than just, we keep a pair of scissors in our Kardashian closet because of when you have <laughs> tags, you have tags, tags. Yeah. Not, not only when you um cut them out if they're itchy, but I mean like when you get a new item and it has mm-hmm. a tag, mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, if, before I was a refined adult. Refined would, adult. Well, but I mean, oh. having scissors in my closet, yes. okay. you would just pull at it, you know, oh, like, yeah, and then you would just like hurt your hand because you just yeah. pull at that thing. And I just feel like I've reached a point in my life where I, that I am, I, I can no longer do that to myself. Like, yep. why do I do that to myself? Yeah, I don't um, really think about that. So I always, lo- I scissors. lose scissors like crazy. I'm a person who, and, at me or uh, DM me on Instagram or like us. <laughs> I said, at say me. To Olivia. Well, I'm a, I'm a, or if you agree with me, but I'm a person where I'm always lost in thought. I'm always thinking. So that means whatever object is in my hand, mm-hmm. when I'm done with it, I set it down wherever that may be. And then you have a hard time like right. remembering where it was. And it drives mm-hmm. my husband insane because he's like, where is the thing? Because he's not like that. If he has an object, the object completes its task. The object Sometimes, goes back. Me too. And I can also visualize like I'm like, I know I left this thing here. Oh, I can't. My brain is Mm -hmm. completely, I am not, and scissors is the biggest offender of that. I have no, I just, I grab them, I cut them, and then I set things down. And it's just because I'm, I'm not, it's probably also because I need to practice mindfulness a lot more, but I'm almost never mindful. I'm almost always like in the back part of my brain thinking about something or anxious about something. Mm. Uh, I know where all the tape is though. I'll tell you that much because funny. Why? well, I guess because I actually don't really tape things that often Mm -hmm. we do have what we call an adhesives uh cube so we have one of those like so is that also an element of refined adultery (laughs) just having a place where you keep all your adhesives yes so we have one of those like ikea boxes where you get the little cute bins from target and it's in our hallway and that's where we put all our junk and one of the bins is adhesives and it's got like our painters tape duct tape packing tape 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 so tape just you know tape tape yeah tape yeah like regular scotch tape i I understand well Uh, yeah scotch tape goes in there and i'll uh, talk about scotch yeah and i've used the tape multiple times because like i need to like return the amazon box or something so i'll like get the pack the packaging tape or whatever yeah and I can put that back for some reason, but I can't put scissors back for the life of me. So that's interesting. It's interesting that there's such a divide in the in the practice of those things. Yeah. Well, I would. I uh, first, it's bothering me in my head when I said, "Is that a practice of refined adultery?" I did not. Was not <laughs> implying not adultery. <laughs> I meant like adulting, right? No, so I'm having a box. Oh, yeah, you of did say adult. Uh, oh, that's are, funny. Are you, how good of an adult? You know, are you adulting well? Because do you know where Ugh. all your tape is? Do you know where all your scissors are? Um, I am a person because I am a knitter and a sewer um i have many i have many 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 scissors 
Oh, and yeah. if you are, if you live with anyone or you yourself are a person who sews with fabric, you know that you do not use your fabric scissors on any other you have type of yes. material. So you have to be very, very, careful very careful about fabric scissors. Um, but then also, so I frequently have I, at least three pairs of scissors in my office, two for just like general purpose. Mm-hmm. So I could use like thicker materials and then I have my fabric scissors and then I also have tiny little embroidery scissors. So many, many scissors, um, yeah. but also big fan of tape. Like I use tape frequently. Yeah. I think um, we all kind of mm-hmm. do, but especially around the holidays. I mean, I just associate tape with holidays, like gift wrapping and packages. And well, now I feel like we send so many things. And even since the pandemic has started, I've been doing a lot more of like mailing things from my home. And so I had to have a lot more just mm. types of mm. boxes and tapes and packaging mm-hmm. materials on mm-hmm. hand than yeah. I think I did before where I would just go to the post office. And yeah. But tape's fascinating. Again, it's one of those yeah. things I have no idea how mm-hmm. you possibly could make something that is partially sticky on one side and well, you know, that's actually, not on the other. Yeah, it's um it is it is interesting because one of the things I didn't realize until I researched this episode is that a um key difference of earlier adhesives versus what we have today is the application of pressure. So like that something would stick when you apply pressure mm. versus just something that is sticky that's going to stick indiscriminately wherever, mm-hmm. you know. And if you think about it that you know, if you have something that is, um, oh my gosh, like saran wrap, you know, like it's like it, it will only stick to what you don't want it to stick to and it never <laughs> sticks to the thing you want it to yes. stick to. So I'm imagining that like, you know, earlier forms of adhesive were basically indiscriminate. They would just, mm. they, you, you, it sticks, it's sticky, mm-hmm. it's going to leave a residue. And so the innovation with tape was really that thing where you, it would stick only when you wanted it to, and that it would, could potentially come off without leaving a residue. Hmm as okay. well um so i'll jump right into uh tape tape, tape which, it away <laughs> which sorry, i everybody. have to say um again has fairly recent origins in terms of mm. what we think of today in terms of tape Ooh, i want to guess um go for it i'm gonna guess definitely ad it's not bc right um well tape right AD. okay ad and i'm gonna put it in the thousands. I'm going to give it a 1200. I'm going to give 1200 AD. The 1200s is when I think tape. How close mm-hmm. am I? No? Um, okay. All right. That was my stab. So first patent for an adhesive, which again, patent mm-hmm. being a thing that when has to be put, based on yeah. a system of, you know, okay, there probably were some early people, but a first, first patent that we have uh, issued in Britain in 1750 for a fish-based what? glue. You're kidding. 1750? That's and, basically yesterday. And led to the opening of the first commercial glue factory in Holland. But remember, okay, what I would like to, I'll take it, I'm going to go yes. even more forward, You're but right. I'm going to take it back for a second because it is super, super old that we've been putting things onto other things. So, like, if yes. we're talking about the history of adhesives, that is different than the origins of tape. Right. Because, like, just like, you know, mirrors, if we have a tool, we are trying to stick a thing to another thing. And so um, that is super, super, super old. Um, in fact, technologically, according to a JSTAR Daily article, glue represents a complex series of decisions that our genus, the homo, has been making for millennia. So in fact, like when we think about the origins of modern man being based on developing tools, mm-hmm. that includes an adhesive to to make the yeah, tool to bind things. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, which also comes from having an understanding of a sophisticated understanding of the properties of your environment. So, um, understanding what you want to stick together and having material that will help you stick the things together. So common ones in like kind of really ancient Pliocene era. I mean, I'm talking literally 280,000 years Ooh. ago mm-hmm. to the much more recent range of 25 thousand years ago so the pliocene era um they have found they have evidence of um in italy and in southern africa of um these like tools glue uh, glue used to attach stone to wood okay in the yeah. use of tools and i imagine that you know discovering an adhesive yeah, that definitely well, and much, it was older. It was um a lot of red ochre, plant gum. So you think about like tree sap, plant gum, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and also oh, yeah, um, yeah. animal animal 
products, so like fats, Ooh, like proteins, yes. like th- things that you're going to pull from. I think literally one of these mentioned like horse teeth. Oh, um, I forget no. which mm. culture used horse teeth. It's probably in my notes somewhere. Um, but yeah, so so the the compound adhesives means of attaching stones stone tools to handles using um, frequently adhesive and twine is something that you can look up. Um, there are archaeologists who study this. Um, there's evidence in South African caves, like I said, using a gum based uh, gum resin paired with twine. Mm-hmm. So that is like, I mean. Uh, it could be a, a different episode and, you know, I can go into more detail, but um, basically it's it's managing fire, managing, you know, the resources that we'd have from the environment, whether that's plants mm-hmm. or animals. That is super, super old. Yeah. Um, so, and then obviously we also have evidence of Mongolians using adhesive for bows, uh, Eastern, um, United States, Native Americans using a mixture of spruce gum and fat as waterproof adhesive for Mm. canoes for um, water vessels. Um, and so resin from trees and animal matter were the two things that are most frequently cited in terms of like old, Mm -hmm. old adhesives. Mm -hmm. Um, so that's the very like ancient yeah. Ancient, ancient adhesives. Mm-hmm. Um, what I spent a little more time doing uh, was researching the more modern adhesives in terms yeah, of like tape. tape, because that's we're talking about. Like, what do we have in our home? I don't mm-hmm. have any gum resin. I don't, I don't know have what tape any is. Uh, is animal teeth. Like, what is it? I, have um, no I will tell you. Yeah. Um, but it is. But it is. Uh, yeah. So we're talking about tape. Um, so the uh, Dr. Horace Day um, is credited with creating the pressure sensitive adhesive. Mm, okay. So as I mentioned, this is sort of a s- sticking point, no pun intended, <laughs> uh, for like the, the kind of modern advancement of tape is like being able to choose Push. when and where it yeah. will stick okay. based on pressure. Um, so that's sort of considered like the, the fundamental um, modern Definition, I guess. innovation. Mm-hmm. And so he used this uh, rudimentary adhesive bandage that he developed for his patients mm. 1845. Yes, so, bandages. Mm-hmm. Yes. So though I previously noted that we were talking about this patent for an adhesive in 1750 in Britain uh, and then leading to a commercial glue factory in Holland after that, we are talking 1845 for this adhesive bandage uh, in which he used a rubber-based adhesive applied to strips of fabric yeah, to make a surgical okay. tape. Okay. That mm-hmm. makes se- it makes sense that it would stem out of a need to close a wound because yes. that's a little bit more important than my Christmas gifts. Like fair. Yeah. Yes, because probably Christmas gifts were just handed over <laughs> or put in a sock or Here you go, kid. Yeah. Uh and yeah. a cloth or wrapped in something yep. with twine or yes. you know, any kind of like rudimentary. Yeah. Um, or, or more traditional closing gift. things in that way because like all the things you listed before like canoes or tools like those are out of necessity yes, those exactly. aren't like oh i really really want to like put this piece of paper or like collaging mm-hmm. stuff like mm-hmm. nobody was well, doing that and it's important to note actually like a lot of um they there's a lot of evidence from really pretty old i mean similar to what we we're talking about i feel like we frequently cite things that are around like 4000 yeah. <laughs> bc um but that is also when they have a lot of evidence um in a, a lot of cultures of um, earthenware pots mended with adhesive. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. if you think about like, okay, I've broken this yes. dish and I need to repair it. So that's also like the purpose of an yeah. adhesive versus a tape. Yeah. Um, yeah. It reminds me of, um, I think we've talked about it before, but Maslow's law of hierarchy, mm-hmm. the bottom is like food and then you've got shelter and blah, blah, blah. Like you yeah, don't your basic care needs. about putting tape on like a gift until you can repair your pottery or like close yes. your wounds. Like there's more important things to be um, worried about handled. Mm-hmm. And I think we're super fortunate to live when we do because, I mean, can you imagine like having to invent something because you can't figure out how to stick gauze to well, a wound properly? Exactly. It's like we were talking about in our um, glass and mirrors episode it's like okay they were trying to innovate and innovate and innovate to get glass so that they could uh close their windows yeah. <laughs> like so they could have a window and then it could be closed or we open miss sunlight. Yeah. but it's like you know that is um because i mentioned i'd give it up but mm-hmm. you know i just not have windows but it's like you know people like really mm-hmm. they'd reached a point where this needed to happen yeah tape um, needed to so, happen it's just fascinating yeah. the, the idea of it exactly so that was dr horace day um Thanks, Dr. Day. And then in 1901, the German uh, German inventor Oskar Chopowitz uh, Chop- invented an adhesive patch. 
Are you, 1901? Mm-hmm. That is so recent. That is exactly. so recent exactly. for something that we use so often. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to talk about um, masking tape and scotch tape. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is actually an interesting story that if you have been, if you have a business degree or you have been to business school or taken a business class, which have I've done not none of, done those, any things. of those things, <laughs> we're terrible business um, people. But if you had, uh, apparently it's a really common story that's told in business school, oh. um, which I'll explain why in a moment. But in the 1920s, um, there was a young lab tech that worked for the Minnesota Mining and Manufacturing Company uh, named Richard Drew. Um, and he was delivering sandpaper. Uh, the company produced sandpaper and he was delivering it to auto manufacturers. Um, they used it for painting cars. So remember, this is also kind of fairly early in the in like car production anyway. And so two-tone yeah, car paint so. was Good very Lord. popular. Yeah. Um, and so they would use glue and newspaper or butcher paper to like mm. paint these cars and kind of like, you know, um, imagine like your color blocking, you mm-hmm. know, so you've got the the, mm-hmm. the glue, mm-hmm. but it was like a big, huge mess. It was not easy to like, um, you could apply it, but it was really sticky and hard to come off. Um, it made a huge mess. It was hard to use. So he sort of saw this and wanted to make something that could be removed and would not leave a sticky mess. Um, so, and and a lot of sources said this. Another source did say um, that he was tasked with coming up with a way to provide waterproof insulation mm. for railroad refrigerator cars, oh, okay. which goes into more of like the kind of practical piece. Yeah. Um, but I think he was honestly just seeing these auto manufacturers when he was doing his deliveries and he, you know, kind of had this like, what well, you know, surely we can think of some way to make this better for them. Surely. Yeah. So he spent two years developing a tape that was sticky yet easy to remove. Okay. So, um, he experimented with vegetable oil with tree gums. So again, like kind of very old mm. materials. Um, at the time he was told not to spend his working hours on this project. Um, and so he did it all sort of moon moonlit. Oh, um, don't you hate that when your day job won't let you. So you have to well, invent by Invent by moonlight. Well, I'll actually go ahead and tell you, um, spoiler alert, um, but the Minnesota Mining and Manufacturing Company would become 3M, which is the company MMM. Oh, my gosh. uh, Would become the company. And actually what they would go on to change in terms of their business structure once he invented this was the 15% rule, which actually allowed, encourages businesses to incorporate, to encourage people to work on passion projects for 15% of their time at work. Um, that's cute. Well, so that's like the business, oh. the business school story, yeah, right? Is that you're like, hey, that. there's yeah. like lots of large companies today very much believe in the 15% um, rule because if you don't let your employees innovate or th- work on tinkering with their ideas, you're yeah. you're not going to have new products that can end up like, you know, um, advancing your company or making sure it stays in business. For example, during the great depression, because 3M, um, came out with tape. I'm jumping ahead here, but he like, <laughs> so he basically invented scotch tape and it came right at a time when Americans were buying less things, repairing what they had. Oh, and so a company yeah. like 3M, like making a product that allowed people to mm-hmm. do that meant that they essentially survived the Great Depression. So, you know, here was all this on the back of a man who you told not to work on this at work is like kind of, you know, so that's a lesson. Wow. Love your people, dream. current CEOs out there. (laughs) Um, But I think it's actually, it's kind of a well-known like lore. Um, I just thought it was an interesting aside for this. Um, Yeah. So it's, it's, it's now a frequent thing, but um, in 1925, he uses cray paper, cray paper backed with cabinet makers, glue and glycerin. Glycerin. That's the key. Mm-hmm. Blue and glycerin. So he patented masking tape in 1930 and he patented waterproof transparent tape in 1939. I'm shocked. I really am. 1939. That's so recent. I mean, that that just feels mm-hmm. like we had cars before we had just basic scotch tape. Well, yeah, because I mean, but we had, we had, we we were really good at adhering things exactly, but it was this innovation of being able to take something that could kind of easily be like peeled off or back on again 
right like or that. to attach things not mm-hmm. in a way where like glue is such a specific need right like if i mm-hmm. want to i don't know tape something or i keep thinking of paper but then you also have things like packaging or something that you want to open up again yeah is what yeah. you're talking about exactly yeah. i mean exactly. you can't do that with with glue like, can you imagine mm-hmm. if like all our amazon boxes were like glued shut but then also if you think about it too um when i'll get to this because i'm going to talk about duct tape um like the reason that duct tape was innovated was because people were putting, they were wrapping um, packages to go mm-hmm. to war, World War Two, mm. in in um, they were they were sealing them with like paper tape, yeah, like a, like a paper mm-hmm. wasn't um, strong enough, and then yeah. and then coating them in wax oh, to get them. Gosh. So then they, so then the officers or you know when the people who were receiving trying to open the package, it was it was a huge mess. Like it mm-hmm. was just it was a lot. So. Um, I'll talk a little bit more about that. But yeah, so he um, it, it, it was all in that sense of, OK, how do we ship things in a way that they can be reopened mm-hmm. and not like so much hassle, you know, that we're, yeah. that we're getting them. So, yeah, to your point, when we want to keep something like together stuck <laughs> <laughs> like a, like a car we're good at that we've yeah. been doing that for a really long time mm-hmm. but it was this kind of like in between need of okay well how do i get something like temporarily to stay right. but i want it to like a christmas present yeah, right i want to be able to open it but not forever but not forever yeah. exactly so um that was really the innovation here um so he uses like i said the the crepe paper with cabinet makers glue and glycerin that was what he patented um and he was using uh, to get the waterproof transparent tape, which is really what we think of when we think of like the scotch tape where it's yeah. transparent mm-hmm. and sticky. Um, he was using the newly invented cellophane. Oh, OK. Mm-hmm. So this was also an innovation to come kind of out of like the Industrial Revolution. Yeah. And, and folks yeah. had they understood a little more about chemistry, which meant you could again with our the theme of, um, you know, mirrors and glass was sort of this like journey towards clarity. Right. How do we get something mm-hmm. that can be as clear and like perfect as we want it to Mm -hmm. be. And so it was the innovation in that. So the material early cellophane was still really hard to work with. Um, It still had like an amber, the glue would have an amber color, which I think is actually very common. If you ever pull something out that has really old tape on it, like tape from the seventies and it will have yellowed Mm -hmm. um, that has that amber color. It starts to degrade again. Uh, wow. back into it so yeah his team uh worked to make a colorless version at the time cellophane was being used as packaging for grocers yeah. and bakeries mm-hmm. but there was no good way to seal it so the glue inter the um the colored glue interfered with the clear nature of the packaging so mm-hmm. they had worked so hard to get this clear packaging and they didn't want to then slap something over it that was yeah you know colored and and, and messing up the you know the pristine the yeah looks as soon as you said for. bakery i mean you know you think scotch tape but then you also have to think about like you think about how much you actually do touch tape in a week because mm-hmm. now i'm thinking it's a lot like, of times when mm-hmm. you even go to get like a sub at Publix or like whatever like they close it with tape they like like or your any, bakery goods your, your any a stickers. lot of things that you buy mm-hmm. if, you, if you're yeah. buying products at, at the grocery store the they're they've They've taped them. Oh my so gosh! You can my open them. Dunkin' Donuts thing has like has a little, a, yeah, a little sticker. sticker on it. I mean, with sticker tape, I know it's not quite one to one, but I mean, still, like, I'm just you just don't think about it. You just well, don't think it's about also what, how the, we had to get here. The example of of, of your Dunkin' Donuts cup too is that is that the they can use that adhesive when with it's their pressure, you know. Yeah, yeah, because you can't just throw so. it at the cup mm-hmm. and have it stay on. You do yep. have to like you apply. Put it where you want it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dunkin' Forever, by the way. <laughs> We're Dunkin' fans. We're Dunkin' fans. Yes. Yeah. Nothing against Starbucks, but I think Dunkin' Coffee does too. They both they both do different things. Uh-huh. To you know, but I, I Dunkin' doesn't try to beat something. <laughs> it fancier. doesn't try to be something. It just knows what it is. Just although, gives you the coffee. Although a week or so ago, um, they I realized that I wasn't using my Starbucks uh, like little oh. stars mm. and so they expire and i got really <gasps> mad because some of them God. expired so i was like let me just go mm. and get my get a free drink and use up these stars and Gotta i was i was really hungry and so i never do this but i bought one of their like <gasps> breakfast items i love those I, I just never i'm like if i'm already spending four or five dollars on coffee i'm not gonna spend 10 and get oh. a breakfast item but i i did and um i got like their breakfast the burrito thing oh, it was no. it, but, it, but it was like crispy flaky it crust it was wow. everything i wanted in a breakfast wow. and it was rolled up with sausage and eggs and cheese and 
It was wow. so good. It was like the flaky crust. Huh. Ten I mean, out of ten. I always get so I have to say, I have to say I was impressed with that. But wow. anyway, that was inside about this podcast pastries. sponsored by. <laughs> it's not. Wait, wait. No one has Golly. sponsored us. If only I was eating a delicious uh yeah, Starbucks uh crispy Golly. flaky. If either thing. uh Duncan or Starbucks wants us to stop talking about the other, just hit us up. <laughs> Email is the origins of podcast at gmail.com. I will you get fair and honest know. reviews of all of your products, okay? Oh yeah. Um yes. One by uh, one. But stickers for packaging, food. Exactly. Exactly. So all of that are things. I think this does tie in because it is things that we take for granted in our everyday lives, which is including like, you know, them giving me my burrito wrapped in a little cellophane thing. So, oh, you know what just came to me? Very far reaching. Harry Potter. When his glasses break and he puts yeah, and he them needs together spello with tape. tape. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm in a real Harry Potter spello tape. Yeah. Oh, yes. Okay. That's my only. Sorry. Um. So the Scotch brand cellulose tape came out of their innovations, um, hmm. involving the machinery that they had to. They actually did have to like, um, repurpose, refashion, and and change the machinery to produce the clear tape that they were going mm-hmm. for um, with the adhesive, with the cellulose as the clear bit. Um, and I will share some images of the early Scotch brand cellulose tape where it oh. says like cellulose tape. Like, I would that love was to the, see the early branding. Yeah, they did a lot with it, which they still do. I realized it's a very pared down version of like the the tartan, you know. Yes, um, I was like just the about to say Scottish the Scottish Scotch. Yeah. Like if you think about oh. that imagery. I did not connect um, those two things together. Yes, which then it was making me really think back to now. season one and our uh, tartan plaid. when we did plaid. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so that is, I mean, if you look at it, it is like classic scottish tartan so you can't there's no I can't missing believe that I never connection put that together. Mm-hmm. i never put scotch and then the branding mm-hmm. together and that um where that came from is a little bit urban legendy but the story goes that um the some he brought um so again you know uh, our guy drew here um brought an early version to his uh like to these auto manufacturers who Mm -hmm. were painting and um they kind of allegedly use it as an insult for like hey take this scotch tape back uh back and work on it and make it better and it was you the term scotch in that term using that way was sort of a pejorative um hinting at scottish like cheapness Mm -hmm. and that the product was Mm. kind of crappy or cheap oh um so it was apparently a dig on how little adhesive came on the initial forms of the tape when they were first making it. Um, and so that's, that, that story is told a few different places. Um, so that, that's sort of like where it got its. Yeah. Now they're looking back like, and they said, Oh, and then they were sort of like, yeah, that's a scotch tape. Let's go with that. Um, and so that became the brand name. Interesting. Um, and like I said, it was introduced right as the, the Great Depression arrived. And so folks were mending and making do and um, not purchasing things or replacing things. And so um, it was incredible timing for 3M Yeah. Um, as a company. So they are very um, aware of that in terms of their um, legacy. Huh. So I also want to briefly share with you about... Um, a couple of other facts, uh, Band-Aid and duct tape. Yes, Band-Aid's fascinating. I didn't even connect that. So, and I don't have a ton on this, but, you know, mm-hmm. I'm sure there's a whole history out there yeah, that's great. Yeah, we, we could also do another episode later about, <laughs> I don't know. Things in the bathroom, I don't know. But Band-Aid's uh, similar kind of thing to even Mr. Dr. Day over there. Um, in 1921, Earl Dixon attached gauze to cloth back tape and covered it with um is it crinoline 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 mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. making the first band-aid wow, so he made it for his so wife recent. um her bandage kept falling off so he used the cloth back tape and the crinoline um attached gauze to cloth back tape yeah so um that was even if you recall um the scotch tape wasn't really out mm. until 1925 and this was 21 so it was like the mm. same kind of mm-hmm rough time frame there um and then duct tape is as i mentioned credited to world war ii era innovation when they were really trying to be able to like um efficiently ship goods oh to the warfront uh and so they needed to be able to send boxes of materials in a way that the uh soldiers or whoever was receiving them could quickly open Mm -hmm. them um and so what they were doing was literally sealing 
the boxes of paper tape, dipping the entire box in wax coating for waterproofness. And so it was totally inefficient yeah. when you were receiving it. Um, and so stuff all over. Exactly. And once again, um, so the woman, this is according to the historian of Johnson and Johnson, which owns, um, I guess early duct tape or maybe huh. duct tape. I, okay. But it was, it was cited. So their chief historian, uh, Margaret Gerwitz, um, notes that it is Illinois mom Vesta stout who was working in a green river ordinance plant in illinois and um, she had two sons fighting in the war and she sort of saw this problem um she she apparently sort of like theorized the idea but didn't have the resources to produce it mm-hmm. her company didn't really take it seriously at the time and so she wrote to the president oh and said like here's gosh. this idea as, um, one does. as one does and so i don't know someone on i guess president roosevelt's team read this again this is from johnson johnson history mm-hmm. so i expect they have you know record of this or something there is there is a patent for it mm-hmm. um but they then sort of partnered like the military and industry partnered to make duct tape happen so it, it's certainly tied to the innovation kind of like products to come out of world war ii um but it has certainly mm-hmm. revolutionized and also like as we've been talking these kinds of tape make it far more efficient and inexpensive to send ship and transport which we do so oh my gosh yes we we would have needed something like that anyway Mm -hmm. and i think that's also a great theme of the podcast too we have lots of themes of this podcast but one of them being that inventions and things happen out of necessity people aren't just like you know what i wonder what this is like it it really is like oh we need a solution like we need a solution for this we need this to happen and then also there are long time long spans of time in between things where people are either figuring something out they're using it for a long time I mean, mm-hmm. inventions don't just sprout up like every single day. So mm-hmm. if you are practicing something, don't worry. Sometimes like glass, our previous episode took thousands of years to perfect. <laughs> exactly. So don't worry if you can't perfect your code or yes. your quilting quite yet. People, humanity needs time to process and, yeah. and grow, yeah. I guess. Yeah. And connect things like, for example, that they had to have cellophane before they could right. make the clear tape. Yeah. So someone had to innovate cellophane and, mm-hmm. you know, you might be an engineer uh, like Mr. Drew, but not of that yeah. item or, you yeah. know, he's over here with the machinery, but he doesn't understand the chemistry of how to invent oh, you know, cellophane. We should so work it's together like, way more. Yeah. I mean, yeah. people, you, we should all just work together like way, way more, like mm-hmm. just general things well, it's, where it's like. It's a. It's a really, really common reason why I'm, for those of you who don't know, I'm, I I work with college students. And so it's a, it's a frequent refrain where it's like, listen, more people of more backgrounds should work together to solve problems. Like you want, you want a biologist and an anthropologist and a business person and a philosopher, like in the same room, Yes, they're all going to have different approaches to the same question. And it is beneficial to have the business person talking with the biologist. Mm -hmm. Like you're just going to you you none of us can do any all of that on our own yeah it's like puzzles you have to have different puzzle pieces to make the big piece it's like why we have all those jokes too like like three guys walked into a bar a scientist (laughs) a chemist and a yeah yeah. well and there's also um we've we've been watching dark and which is a really really wonderful netflix show and this doesn't spoil anything sidebar for with dark Oh my gosh, it's just if you really want a puzzle for your brain and something that Ugh. you probably need to watch at least two times, watch Dark. Um, but here, here's what I'll say. They give the analogy, which is so useful, of um, I think it's like 10 blind men mm. and an elephant. And if you only can see the one part of the elephant, oh, yeah. you are going to have a really um, weird, diff- like pers- uh-huh. really singular perception of what that is. But if you all 10 talk together about the different components, oh. you start to see the whole elephant. I feel like that needs to be like an icebreaker thing where like you give people like a statue and a blindfold and they you can only touch one part of it. And then mm-hmm. you have to talk. I'm sure that's some sort of game somewhere, but that's fascinating and a great yeah. Great analogy for that. Yeah. Um. So one other note about Scotch tape. In 2004, it was named a humble masterpiece by the Museum of oh, Modern Art in New York. So they had a whole masterpiece. Um, they had a whole exhibit of 100 fundamental <gasps> items that are used every day. Um. And so the museum curator was quoted, while modest in size and price, these objects are indispensable masterpieces of design deserving of our admiration. And so it's like... Is scotch tape art? Yes. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> it's so thin and so sticky. And then you 
take things and so useful. It and mm-hmm. It's fascinating. Mm-hmm. I mean, it really is. Mm-hmm. Awesome. That's tape. That's so much more recent than I thought. I mean, I thought you were about to be like in China, one thousand years ago. I mean, they taped. You know, they were adhering things. Yeah, but, but not like, not like tape. And I think so. To segue into scissors a little bit, the way objects relate to one another in time and space. So, for example. You have two blocks, right? And if you want them to stick together permanently, you would use glue. You mm-hmm. would you would put glue, let's say two cubes, right? You would you would put the glue and you could hold them, right? So you could put the glue on one side and put the glue on the other side and then hold them in two hands and stick them together. Mm-hmm. With tape, you could actually set both cubes on the on a table or on a surface, tape them together in a different way. You don't have to do this hand sort of thing. You don't have to slide them on a table. Yeah. You don't have to wait for them to dry either. Right, right, right. So think about scissors. It's really a spatial thing. So before scissors, if you needed to cut something with a sword or a knife, you couldn't mm-hmm. just slash it in the air. You had to set it down on a table. You had to have set resistance. it down. Yes, yeah. resistance exactly. You had to set it on a surface. So like an exacto knife, even though that's a little uh, more recent. But to cut something with a blade, resistance. You had to have something else to receive the blade. So that's mm-hmm. really really cumbersome, and you can't really do that. And we've it all- has its benefits, but it but it also doesn't like I'm thinking about. Again, if I go back to sewing, Quilted, if I'm yeah. using a rotary cutter, I can, it's basically a curvy exacto knife. I, mm-hmm. I can, I can really efficiently cut yeah. stuff more so than with scissors. However, I have to have the surface behind it. I have to have a self-healing mat. Exactly. There's a lot more yes. that goes into it. So it's, it's, it's yes. great, but it also has limits. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So similar to mirrors in the last episode. So it, what's funny is that we, we usually try to do these podcasts with whoever has the oldest thing goes first. And both of these episodes, we've actually been flip-flopped because scissors are... <laughs> we don't are, know that because, yeah, again, we we're don't just really trying know. to make our best guess. Um, so. Scissors are very old because there is was such a necessity to be able to hold something in one hand and cut it with the other. You ah. needed to be able to cut, cut cloth, cut twine, cut string. Like, we've had sharp objects forever, and it, it's just so simple to think... Object one hand, scissors other hand, mm. right? Because the other mechanic for that is that if you don't do that, then you have to set object on table. And if it's something like twine or... Um, you need the resistance. You need the resistance. Or you need to be able to, like... stay still. Snip it. Right. Yeah. So I'm going to have to do a lot of descriptions here, but I really encourage everyone to just Google... Um, not... Oh, let me find the word. Spring scissors. Not like as in the season, as in the mechanics. Google spring scissors. And I'm going to show you, Jesse, so I can... Um, okay, so... Oh, yes, I see. Early scissors were, Almost like uh, little snips. Yeah. Like little tiny gonna, little... Um, oh, I've been thinking about how to explain sh- this. Sh- okay. Mm-hmm. So like imagine yeah. you've got a big piece of metal, and you flatten it on both sides, mm-hmm. on the ends, and then you fold it in half. Mm-hmm. That is prehistoric or ancient scissors they just essentially flattened metal they just flattened metal and then they sharpened folded it, it. yes yeah, sharpened mm-hmm. it folded it and then imagine like where you hold like where we would stick our fingers in the little loops they would just hold it like you quack a duck like mm-hmm. duck quacking mm-hmm. like it's it's like that so once i saw that and i understood the mechanics of it where you only have one sheet of metal that's All you have to do smart. is That's, hammer it on both yeah. sides, mm-hmm. fold it like a pancake, and mm-hmm. then now you've got a pair of scissors. You don't like, even have to have like a screw or a bolt. Yeah. Right. You're, you've just. Yep. You just got one piece mm-hmm. of metal and they actually become very ornate because the metal is so flat that you can then do carvings and etchings and then the handle and it got really elaborate. So those are spring type scissors. And so last night when I was researching this and admittedly, yes, I did this one night before. Sorry, team. But I texted Jesse. We all have Jesse, I have a point to pick with you and I'm very frustrated and I can't wait to talk about it. So here it is. Here's the sidebar. It is most likely that scissors, the earliest known scissors were in China. But could I find any articles or research or resources about China? Hmm. No, I found a nothing. All I did was find articles from Encyclopedia Britannica, um, which just like cite back to China, which oh, with like no. They would just go uh, earliest known scissors in China. It's like okay, thank you, but Tell now me more why about aren't this. you linking to another 
exhibit and of course i can't read chinese like i i just i'm i was so i think about that too like the limits of what we only have written in english which is like exactly. everyone wants to claim that oh. they've had the oldest thing what am i missing there's right. so much stuff probably in mandarin oh about the origin of scissors so you know what they did then they're like "Ooh, egypt and ooh, okay here's where they uh, showed up in europe and it's like i don't care about that like i want to know the chinese history. yeah this podcast why is called the you... origins of yes what is the origin of giving me the origin <laughs> so there's so many beautiful beautiful photos of these ornate gorgeous pairs of scissors that are like it just says scissors china tang dynasty 618 okay where's the article about it so i will tell everyone that i got super frustrated with this research because scissors seem to have a very um very rich past in china that i can't access like there Mm -hmm. was no way for me to look into scissors so i'll give you what i have but i did find that fascinating about how much of our culture and our language informs what we know about the world yeah well and even just that we I've probably said this before on this podcast, but I will say it again. I went to China when I was 19 and I have to tell you, it was like every single thing you'd be like, well, that they'd be like, well, yeah, well, we went, we invented this. And, mm-hmm. and, and I, and I have to tell you, it was like, uh, but that's not what I learned. Yeah. But then it made me question why, what I learned, what yeah. I learned and who wants to claim what or has a record of what. And so it's the same kind of thing where you're like, okay, well, of course humans have frequently and constantly been innovating and stealing Mm -hmm. each other's ideas. And, and so it, it, it's, it's at the very root of this podcast that like, yes, there are going to be limits to the things we can know based on our language, based on what, who is telling, who is telling the history and what they want us to know or what is available for us to know. Yeah. Which is frustrating because I think it leads to ignorance and it leads to the uh, close-minded thinking like, no, 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 there's a whole world out there. Like we're not the only people like, yes, English is used really heavily across mm-hmm. the world but that i mean we're so fortunate that it just happens to be the language that we speak mm-hmm. like it's just it, to me i was like oh i wish i could go look up a bunch of chinese articles about this but yeah i bet i bet there's some i looked up mm-hmm. what i could but definitely google spring scissors uh spring type scissors because honestly i i want a pair so badly they look beautiful and it's just one piece of metal and there's no plastic That's um and so you just kind of clamp them together mm-hmm. so those were the types of scissors all the way up to the middle ages so they only had those types of scissors until the middle ages um and i did copy and paste like a little bit of what i found about china but it really just kind of takes us through the different um eras and it's just sort of like this is a valid um it has a lot to do with like brought like the types of metals that were available that they could bend mm. um uh, so there's like not a lot of evidence as to like how or why. Um, some scholars believe that Chinese scissors originated from early bronze sharpening knife, and then they understood that you needed to have two knives together, and to they make called the them like slice. crossing. Yeah, yeah, to make the mm-hmm. slice. Okay. Mm-hmm. So now we go into the Middle Ages. We're in Europe. Um, the very first person, or they started thinking about how it's kind of hard to hold them that way. You really did. And the, the idea with spring scissors is that they're opposite from regular scissors. So our scissors, you open them and then you close them to um, cut. And then mm-hmm. these spring scissors were automatically closed and you had to, wait, I'm sorry, opposite. They were automatically open and you had to like clamp them. It's a mm-hmm. little different. So you need to watch the mechanics. So they wanted to be able to hold it in your hand and then create cutting motions with your hand. And I'm, yeah, I'm and waving could, my hands. Like you could be more precise that way, right? Yes, you can be way more precise. Another um, note is that scissors is interchangeable with shears. And the, the official term is that if, if scissors are bigger than six inches, they're considered shears instead of scissors, I oh. guess, to shear something. Hmm. Because shearing was really important, being able to cut hair and wool and all of those items, you needed a bigger pair. And so they have different purposes and different um um different you know this with like crafting scissors yeah. like what you just said earlier about like there's fabric scissors there's different types of sharpening and different types of cutting that it's really important to understand that scissors all had to um be sharpened and created in a way that was appropriate for their textile well and i think to uh call back your spring scissors mm-hmm. they're reminding me of the of small snips that you would use just to cut like a few threads like yeah. the ones that, that you're showing me are small enough where you would want to cut small precise things but you're not cutting mm-hmm. like swaths of cloth yeah you're not like those. shearing a sheep or anything yeah you're or, like cutting, a sheep. or like you're, you're not you would need a much bigger pair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so that. it was a little harder to manage giant things with the little small mm-hmm. spring scissors. So it actually wasn't until the 16th century. Um, there was a dude, Robert 
Hingecliffe. Okay, Mr. Hingecliffe. Yes, there, Mr. Hingecliffe. Um, he figured out how to drill a hole and like drilling a hole into metal. Like, yes, it was done, but imagine like you have to have a drill that's powerful enough or like a, a like, to like go through the two two pieces of metal. Yeah, stick a tiny little bolt in them, and then have the two handles. So it's it's much more complex to make a pair of scissors that isn't just one piece of metal that's woven together. Well, that's what I was saying before. Like you now you have a bolt. Now you have like yep. all these other components. Yeah. So he didn't invent that necessarily, but he did um, improve the process. So instead of having like he had like a high powered or a, a better powered drill, he was able to um, heat it and put together, put scissors together. And he was um, <laughs> he actually was so proud of himself. And it was similar to what you talked about. And we just did the glass of mirrors episode, which is why we keep referencing it. But these are artis- if you haven't listened to yeah, it, yet, you go, back listened, listened. go back and um, These artisans, these people who had their craft, he was real proud of it and he didn't really share his secret too much. But what he did do was get, make himself a little sign and he put it outside of his little shop that said fine scissor manufacturer so that everybody knew that if you wanted what a nice was. pair of scissors, you were going to go to his shop. So I found that to be really interesting. Um, and so once that happened, scissor, th- that type of scissors took off because it's much more comfortable in your hand. Mm-hmm. You're able to snip, snip, snip. They started adding the plastic to it. Um, it's fantastic. There are also uh, left-handed scissors because if you think about right-handed scissors, it's just the way the blades are positioned. and the, Yeah, which um, kind of hurts my brain, but I know that it's yeah, a thing. <laughs> it's not only the blades, but it's like the plastic that's molded to a right hand. The plastic mm-hmm. also has to be, because if you're left-handed, the plastic will actually kind of cut into your hand a little bit because mm-hmm. it's molded to be more for your hand. And yes, it does have to do with the, the blades being the opposite way. Like where the, where the tension is applied. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. So here's where scissors gets dark. So I have a couple of things that I want to talk about with scissors that relates to being women. Um, so there was a fantastic exhibit by London's Fashion and Textile Museum in 2018. It was curated by... Hold on, let me find the curator, because I was, like, really upset that they didn't... Like, I was like, okay, thank you, museum, but, like, you didn't do it. Like, who did it? Oh, I'm so upset. I thought I copied and pasted her name. Colinette is the last name, and I don't... I can't find my first name, and I might not have saved. Okay, there's a curator. I'll put it on the uh, Instagram. She dug into the dark side of scissors. And when I say dark side, Which I want museum was it for? Like, was it a history museum uh, or art London, museum? He's, oh, you said. Yeah, the London... Mm-hmm. Oh, ter- curator Teresa Colinette, London's Fashion and Textile Museum. There we go. Her quote is, everything about scissors is double-edged. So I want to talk about Victorian women who had scissors and they created something called the scissor dagger. <laughs> I have a picture and I can't Whoa. wait to put it on the Instagram. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I mean, imagine scissors, uh, but, with, but, a dagger. but with points. Yeah. So imagine the They're two blades, blades coming together. And mm-hmm. then there's also like a gold case that you would slip on it. Almost like it almost reminds me of a letter opener. Yeah. Where it just like of, looks like oh a blade. Mm-hmm. So because in the uh, Middle Ages and Victoria, like all of these areas, like it wasn't that great to be a woman. Like it kind of looks fashionable. The dresses look cool, whatever. It was not great. Especially well, and that was also class. only for, yeah, I was going to say that's for very few women. Yes. So Let's be clear about who we're talking about here, who had it good. If these women were seeking work in unsafe neighborhoods, they would have their scissors that looked like scissors, but they could totally stab someone with. So if they were in danger or if they were walking in an unsafe neighborhood, they'd be like, oh, these, these are just an ordinary pair of them. But it was a a form of Mm self-protection. Yeah. Form of self-protection. And I just was like, oh my God, you're right, because they are a weapon. So you have to think about... Blades initially, yes. yes, they cut things, but also they are they are a weapon. Yes. As we, Olivia frequently reminds me, <laughs> um, whenever I travel on planes, yeah, your needles um, are because so I have weird. knitting needles, but I also will bring little snips. I mean, I can show you; they're very they're very tiny. But if they're that. a certain small um, length, you can bring it's like snips. They on a plane throw your shampoo and, away. Yeah. But Jesse can take these like six inch, tiny twelve little baby inch, scissors. massive needles and some scissors. Well, whatever. In my if defense, you wanted to, you it's wooden. Them. It's wooden needles. It's not metal needles, but, still, but they're still. pointed enough where you could stab someone in the eyeball. It's mm-hmm. fine. So these women, so it became 
um, a, a safety measure because it was a double thing. And, you know, something we don't get into a lot in the podcast is actually violence because I don't think either of us like it very much. We don't only talk about war and humanity's need to, like, murder each other. But yeah, there's honestly, enough of that. Y'all can yeah. get that elsewhere. I mean, here's... But in this particular case, yes, these are still blades. They mm-hmm. are still weapons. That's true. That's true. And so they do have a weaponized context. There's also uh, Alfred Hitchcock's style M for murder. There's a woman who fends off an attacker with scissors. Yes, so that's right. Honestly, don't reach for your... I've seen that, actually. Mm-hmm. Don't reach for your uh, kitchen knives. Reach for your scissors because you can you can stab. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I mean, a, a kitchen knife will work fine. <laughs> well, if you're in doubt or if you're not in the kitchen. Yeah. And you or if you do your, have one of those letter openers because yeah, that's really what it looks grab like. Grab your scissors. Mm-hmm. So scissors also have a little bit of symbolism with life and death because going back to Greek mythology. Hmm. Have you seen Hercules? You've seen Hercules. The cartoon? Hercules. Yeah. yeah, like in the 90s. I don't know that um, I've seen it since then. So you're going to throw it. another I movie am. at me that I haven't seen. Oh, but Jesse, yeah. we got to get you back up on the movies. Okay, time. so if you've seen Hercules, you've seen the three, there's three women. And I actually, um, this time to not be a fool, I went on the internet and I typed in how to pronounce and I <laughs> learned how to pronounce all of them. Look at you, good podcaster. <laughs> no, I'm so good. So there's three fates, and the fates are three women in Greek mythology who mm-hmm. decide your life. So and I remember the fates. Yeah. So from basically, and if you've seen Greek Hercules, mm-hmm. um, they can't cut his string because it's engulfed. So they, so there's three sisters. Sorry, I keep saying this. One of them spins it. One of them makes the the thread, and her name is Clotho. She spins it, mm-hmm. and then her sister, Lachethys, she measured it. Okay. And then you've got. Atropos. Yep. Sounds weird. She cuts it with scissors. Ah, So she cuts your life with scissors. So what they do is at the beginning is is your life, they they measure out how long you're going to live, and then they decide, and then Atropos cuts it with -hmm. scissors. She cuts it. She has to. How would you cut that with anything else? Like how would you do that? Oh, I really like that. I mean, that's an interesting Yeah. Little story of in terms of Greek mythology. Yes, they believe that your life was Mm -hmm. predetermined, that you could maybe change what the events had happened, but like you were going to die when you were going to die, basically. Um, So Mm -hmm. scissors have have in Greek mythology have that really dark kind of um, symbolism where you could cut your life short, like you're cutting something Hmm. really short. And in in the movie Hercules, I have a screenshot of it. I might put it like an Instagram story or something. But in uh, Hercules, they actually merge the fates with the Furies because there's another set of three women and they share an eyeball because they can see in the future and I so see. in this in the movie they're like sharing an eyeball and like a, i think also like a tooth or something but um that's not true they really are just well not that any of it's true it's myth for a reason but anyway so you've got to think about scissors as being something that can create because you're creating with them but also something that can that end can destroy. that can destroy mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so another dark thing is that you and i have talked about this a little bit before uh the embroidery scissors with the little the bird, the, the stork. Yeah. Do you have a pair of those? I do not, but I gave some really, really beautiful mm. ones to my mom last year for Christmas. Oh. Or maybe her birthday. Do you know where that came from? No, I do not. Oh, man. Am I about to rock your world? Okay. Embroidery scissors, if you don't know, um, they are like a small pair of like usually gold scissors that look like a stork or a bird that has like a long beak. Yeah, they're very ornate. Yeah. So they were used as midwives to clamp and cut umbilical cords. Well, that's super functional. Yeah, so functional. So imagine you're a midwife in the 19th century and uh, you're kind of carrying scissors, but you also need them to be kind of dull because you're you're clamping and cutting kind Mm -hmm. of. But in the 19th century, when babies were happening, it took days. I mean, you would go into labor, you might die. It's very stressful. And so the midwives had a lot of like waiting around to do. Mm -hmm. So a midwife's kit included a pair of embroidery scissors that was a stork because they usually had to sit around waiting for babies to be born. But would they also be sewing? Is that what you're telling yes, me? They would like sew would in and, and be like, sew. listen. Like, honey, you're doing great. <laughs> Let's snip that cord. Yep. But they I can always be, keep my, my sewing yeah, going. Exactly. Wow. While they were waiting neat. on babies, they were crafted that baby blanket. I find and- that kind of cool. I don't find that like to me, that's not dark. That's um, just an interesting, like, the dark part of it. Complicated history. Yeah, the dark part of it is the childbirth was really bad. Uh, right. In the 19th mm-hmm. century. Like, you guys, like, cannot fathom what it was like to not have a hospital. Like, you didn't go to the hospital when you were pregnant in the, um, these centuries like you just had to like hope that somebody around you was knew what they were doing and i don't know why we evolved where birth is so painful and horrible and we don't barely make it i mean we do now 
Um, but the dark part about that is that it's bloody. It was messy. Mm-hmm. And so the scissors were... Um, as much yeah Mm -hmm. as much bloody clamping umbilical visceral as they were needlepoint but i thought that was fascinating that's why they're storks that's so (laughs) that's why they eventually started becoming little the the representation of the stork yeah um and there is an actual if you google it uh there's a midwife kit that they found that includes a pair of these and a kit being like not only things she needs like your medical gear and your medical gear but also um Like your sewing stuff, <laughs> like she had everything in there. She I mean, the... you never know. It's like, I mean, if I'm going somewhere and I think I'm gonna have to wait, I definitely bring my knitting. So yeah, did I show you that? It's really cute. The picture that I have, no. it actually has the little sork has little feet that are the um, I don't know, the handles, I guess, well, and, and it can the, stand upright. And what you're showing me too is not only the little part where you'd put your you know, fing- your fingers to snip but then it the stork's uh beak goes out mm-hmm. where it almost even seems more like a clamp like yeah, that those look both. like a clamp to me mm-hmm. yeah so yeah so you've kind of got these like scissors not only as like oh i can cut things now but really as like a life or death for a lot of women or like a weapon it was finally a weapon that women could have that was not perceived as like mm-hmm. oh you have a weapon no i just had like, like a, a nice pair of scissors mm-hmm. because i'm trying to make you a shirt bro so these victorian women- <laughs> by, the, by the way yeah i'm like it's women we're never just doing one thing it's like we're we're, we're doing several yeah, things yeah we're trying to uh um defend ourselves against the but also get some arts and crafts done. yeah oh mm-hmm. yeah both 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 <laughs> um so really that's kind of scissors and i kept telling you like it's kind of a short one because in, the invention wasn't really an invention it was like okay yes we need scissors thank you and then they just yeah fold a well, piece of metal together it's like i was saying with adhesive it's like okay well we need to cut things and we need to put things together mm-hmm. so it's like the i mean these are incredibly old things on the one hand yeah um but then you know the more modern uses and innovations of them yeah is also part of and then the double like the, the nature of I, I just think like weapons mm-hmm. like with with mirrors being That's like self-identity with, with yeah. scissors not only being something that yeah makes sense for um crafting but just just i don't know the defense and the the dark or the the what it's like to be a woman in in history because we Mm -hmm. we, you know we call out a bunch of dudes like oh yeah this this man but so much of history was probably lost because we didn't want to attribute things to women or we didn't want to admit that they were the inventors or they were the behind the scenes yep that (laughs) That frequently happens and that's a really good point i think to this to scissors I wasn't expecting them to necessarily be so closely aligned with experience of women. Yeah. As they, they really are. Be. Mm-hmm. Because it like men didn't use them. Why would a man have needed scissors? That's a good point. Why would like they they would not have. And even these fates, they're women. Mm-hmm. Um the the midwives are women. Women have scissors. I mean, mm-hmm. we the, it just was a necessity for us. Like we were the ones doing the crafting. The men had the blades, they mm-hmm. had the swords, but women are the ones that really needed that. And so turning them into a utilitarian yeah. thing. Yeah. Well, and to your point, I think the men with the blades, it becomes a lot more um like about war and yeah. security for that whereas for women it's Ugh, like defense. The defense and the um and the artistry and the, mm-hmm. the functionality yeah mm-hmm. and I, do i want all of this i, I want a pair that. of spring scissors mm-hmm. i want a pair of victorian death scissors mm-hmm. i want a pair of stork scissors mm-hmm. like it's just so wonderful oh in the stork the body of a stork also opens up and you could put little trinkets inside whoa yeah. that's really cool so I, like mm-hmm. oh i just want to go to an estate sale it's the pandemic so i won't do that but <laughs> maybe on like ebay or something like what a cool thing and also the spring scissors i mean just fascinating to me it's like it was it's so simple um i was like oh my god scissors are gonna be so tough because like they, they require two pieces of metal and then a thing in the middle and then the plastic and blah 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 and then as soon as i saw the early photo of like these simple scissors i was like oh no it wasn't mm-hmm. that hard to make them mm-hmm. and actually i'm gonna go on record and say that if the apocalypse happens i bet i can make a pair of scissors you probably could yeah. i think now that i've seen it i don't think i could have before but it's literally just meadow you have to twist the twist the ends and flatten them and then, and fold then sharpen it and yeah fold it. then once it's mm, once it's folded and then it's a pair of scissors mm-hmm. now that i've seen it i can do it yeah. I believe in you. I That's a good that. apocalypse skill. Yeah. I keep saying um, that the boy, so we have a, like a kind of a big friend group we call our squad. Um, and I think the boys have been like trying to, or I've challenged them to make fire. Like Eric's been like, <laughs> I can make fire. <laughs> shout okay. out to Eric. <laughs> yeah. Shout out to Producer Johnny. 
also. I then and Adrian's like, oh yeah, it's like so easy to make fire. I'm like, do you yeah. mean that this would be their apocalypse skill, or no, you're just saying I would in general, like to do make, a challenge? Yeah, like, where we put you, them all in the backyard, like a survivor type situation. Yeah, first one to make fire, and then I want to have first one to make a pair of scissors. <laughs> oh man, <laughs> be my it'll be your thing. Yeah, yeah, I bet I could. I don't know. I mean, you would need some pretty intense tools well, to be able to fashion your metal. You know, quite. I wonder if I couldn't try it with like garbage like if it was a true apocalypse i wonder if i couldn't go in like a dumpster and oh, find sure. some like sharp well, because, plastic because if we were to go through an apocalypse situation we're not starting from scratch we would have exactly mm-hmm. like plastics would already exist yeah. that we could repurpose and so you could oh, yeah. probably get a pretty oh, sharp i bet i could melt some plastic, some plastic like into um, some scissors mm-hmm. or yeah. like the i mean think about how bad have you ever gotten a paper cut from like oh. strong cardboard you know but i'm just saying like you you could probably get something that would cut like pretty at least like if i was out on the road like bad max style i could cut like a cable or i could cut like i don't know tree rope Mm -hmm. and make like a hammock or something Mm -hmm. (laughs) <laughs> look at me dreaming big <laughs> all right well if any of you would like to write to us about your, your apocalypse, skill. apocalypse skill or scissors that you <laughs> that you have or love or if we you oh, know um, maybe neglected an important part of uh scissor mm-hmm. history let us know yeah reach out to us on instagram and uh yeah look forward to the next episode all right see you guys This podcast was produced by Johnny Stubbs in Atlanta, Georgia. Visit us online at theoriginsofpodcast.com or to help us support this podcast, visit our Patreon page at patreon.com slash theoriginsofpodcast.